looked like he had to be convinced by the couple at the front here. <laughs> that's alright, you can hold it till later. Or you can boom me off, that's fine too. Awesome. How good was that video, eh? I think there was a lot more dust in the first service than there was in this service. I didn't cry. I helped myself. That's alright, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you were a good, good God and thank you that you speak to us through your word. Lord, we take this time to be able to, to glean from your word. We pray that our hearts would be ready, our hearts would be open, and Lord, that we would be uh, ready to take on whatever it is that you want to say. Father, I pray that I would take a back seat in the Holy Spirit that you would speak. Lord, I thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And amen. How are we all? Good. That's good. Smile at me then. Making me nervous just staring at me like that. <laughs> cool. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about discipline. Michael, you talked about that last week. Yeah, we're talking about it again this week. All right. So discipline and the fact that in a lot of our or in all of our lives, you actually get to choose. We as people have free will, don't we? So we have the freedom to choose. We have the freedom to choose where we go and the things that we do. Is that right? Yep, no one's here against their will. No one got pulled, in, no one pulled into the driveway with a gun in their back? No? Good. You're all here by your own free will. That's awesome. So in our lives and in, with the free will that we do have, as you go along life's journey, you, you do tend to pick up some habits. Am I right? Some of them good. Some of them not so good. Hand up if you have any bad habits. No, we've got some bad habits. Shout, shout one out. Give me a bad habit. Going to bed too late. Yeah, I struggle with that one too. Anyone else got any bad habits? Kmart. <laughs> I think that's like an umbrella bad habit for the, for the whole church, yeah? One more. Any other bad habits? Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate, that was mentioned in the first service too. It's like everyone has a bad habit of eating chocolate when you don't need chocolate. In fact, no one really needs chocolate, do you? Yeah, see, even that's up for discussion. There you go. So habits are things that we pick up on this journey called life. And the fact is that as you live life and as we experience this life, certain things and certain avenues that we receive information and we receive uh, words that are spoken to us, they go along to shape the type of habits that we practice. And if we aren't disciplined in our habits, our habits can actually dictate our character. Right? Is that, is that, does that make sense to everyone? So if, if I start lying today and it becomes a habit because I repeat it tomorrow and then I repeat that for the next couple of weeks and before I know it, I'm stuck in a web of lies... That actually goes to determine my character. I become a liar, right? And it just becomes second nature. It's been a habit, becomes a discipline, and all of a sudden my character, is, it's compromised because of my choice to lie. Make sense? Good. So the idea that this discipline and making sure that our habits are in the right place will inevitably shape our character. 
Now, we, we, we never want to be in a place where we're choosing bad habits. Although sometimes we can't help it, that's what we've grown up in. Sometimes you grow up in a certain uh, lifestyle with the family that you're unable to dictate to yourself because you're a child and you grow up in that and you create habits. Yeah? You grow up in a family that believes a certain thing and maybe they aren't uh, uh, Christians who do, that maybe they don't believe. So a habit of reading your Bible and praying, that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, it's not formed in a household that doesn't believe that. So you can't have that habit. Everything that we do, say, and we've learnt, someone has taught us. It's something that we've grabbed from outside and we've internalised. Yeah? Who woke up and just realised when you were three years old, he's like, I know how to tie my shoes. No? No one here? No. Mom, dad, auntie, uncle, whoever it was, they taught you how to take your laces and tie your shoes. Is it, who does chase the, chase the rabbit through the hole? No? Who does the two bunny ears and then ties them together? There you go. No? There you go. And the rest of you just didn't even know what the hell I was talking about. I just went straight <laughs> over the head. That's fair enough. Cool? So everything that you do and everything that you practice and everything that you've created a habit of doing, you've learned from the outside. You've taken notice of someone who's doing something and maybe you say, oh, I like that, so I'll practice that. <coughs> Habits have the potential to shape our character. And if we are not careful, it can be very dangerous. As good as it is, it can also be very dangerous. Amen? Amen. So some of the habits some of you guys have? Food? Eating too much food? Yep, that's me. Exercise? And will come down. Talking too much. Yeah, the same thing happened in the first service. Everyone went quiet. You all talk too much. <laughs> You're all convicted by your silence. Running late to certain meetings or running late to places can be a habit. And the top of the list and the bottom of the list is, I think, it's a spirit that needs to be rebuked. Come on. Coffee. Some of you drink too much coffee. I'm going to say it now. Yeah? We're going to have deliverance up the front here. If you need deliverance from coffee, we're going to have deliverance here today. But coffee. Yeah, some of you guys will wake up, first thing you do is reach for a cup of coffee. And then you have breakfast, and then what do you do? Have another cup of coffee. Yeah, Sarah Rance. Sarah Rance, I've been, I can testify to Sarah Rance. <laughs> Dependence on coffee. Yeah? So it's, it's these habits. They're just habits. Something that we practice. You don't even think about it at times. It just happens. You just wake up, wash your face, brush your teeth. Yeah, that'll get a shower. Yeah? Breakfast, can't miss that habit. Lunch, happens automatically. I don't even think about it. Oh, sometimes you do think about it in here. Get a knock on the door. Hey, it's lunchtime, let's go, lunch. But dinner, these things that we have instilled in our lives, they just, they happen without us even thinking about it. They're habits. But you choose to do it first before they become a habit. Cool? We're following each other? Which one looks like you? So when we talk about discipline and we talk about good habits in our society today, sometimes it is a little bit hard to talk about these things. Because sometimes, and if we're being honest, it's a word that actually turns some people away from the Christian world. Discipline. 
Because people don't want to be forced into a way of living that restricts what they're allowed to do. And that's just childish. Isn't it? When you actually break it down and you actually take it right down to its core, it's just, it's just very childish. Go clean your room. No! Sesame Street is on. Go make your bed. It's Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol time, Dad. The son's staring at me. He loves Paw Patrol. Yeah, we've got Bluey in this house. Yeah, so these things that we think that these, these disciplines and we, we think that being a Christian or living as a Christian, the world, and it, it's, it's such a backward way of thinking to be a Christian because they think that to be a Christian you're just restricted and there's just rules and boundaries. But that negates the fact that regardless of the, the, the restrictions and the boundaries and the pen that you're in, by living outside of this boundary, it doesn't mean that you're free. It means you just jump to another pen. Does that make sense? You're no, longer, you're no longer left in the freedom and the grace that God's called for you to live by. You're actually living out in a restriction and a worldview that keeps you locked onto it. So you, you're no longer a, a slave to righteousness, but you're a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave of, of God. You, you actually become a, a slave to the world and its whims. And you're pulled around by the society that we live in. And if you had a look at society recently, you can tell that it's pretty chaotic. Pulling people which way they wanted to pull. As you, read the, as you watch the news, I remember during the uh, Hope for Today, or Help for Today and Hope for Tomorrow series that we just finished with uh, Pastor Steve while we were all at our homes had to watch online. Pastor Steve was saying that if you're feeling anxious and you're starting to worry and you're in a bit of a spiral about the things that you're hearing, about the media feeding you this and that and whatever that they can spill to you, he actually said, just turn off the news. You remember he said that? It's like, why? Because you're actually, what you take in dictates to you the things that you actually start to think about and things that you actually start to take into your heart and things that you actually start to practice. The things that come in. He said, simply turn off the source. What's making you anxious? TV. Turn it off. Kids. You can't turn that off. I'm sorry. <laughs> you have to deal with your kids. But deal with, go through the Bible and deal with your kids that way. Definitely. But there are certain things in our society that you can turn off. Your phone. Flicking through on social media, that, that can make any, anyone anxious. All the news that's going on. This news, that news, fake news, real news, fake, fake news, fake, real news. It's all, it's all enough to send someone anxious. And as you start to be anxious, and you start that type of practice today in following, in following that type of, uh, that type of uh, news reading or in following the, the media posts that we're so so bombarded by it every day, if I practice that today and I'm anxious about it today and I'm not careful about what I look at tomorrow and I look at the same type of stuff, then I'm going to be anxious tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and then it becomes a habit, doesn't it? 
Same way, any, same way any other habit starts to develop over time and repetition. The more you expose yourself to it, the more it affects you. It's just, it's simple. Very simple stuff. What do you reckon, Phil? <laughs> Thankfully, Scripture gives us a good view of these things. Amen? Scripture always has a relevant word for us today. That's the truth. Amen? Amen. Scripture always has something to say for us today. Amen? Amen. That's good. <laughs> so let's go. We're reading Scripture. We're reading from, uh, this is Romans. <coughs> We're going from Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to verse 23. Let's read. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin which leads to death or obedience which leads to righteousness. So, so straight away, the writer of Romans is telling you, whoever you choose to be a slave to, you're subject to that, regardless of who it is. If you, if you make yourself subject to your school or your family or your, your church family, then you'll stay in line with them. That's true. Okay? Simple stuff. That's very simple. Let's move on. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Amen. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That's good. Yeah? So we're now slaves to righteousness. And understand, I, I need to say clearly, the only reason you have a possibility of being righteous, holy, set apart, worthy of any calling, is because Jesus died on the cross. First and foremost, that has to cover us. Without that, nothing and no discipline, no character correction, nothing will ever be able to suffice what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. Amen? So that, that we need to have that revelation first up because that is the foundation of where we build our disciplines. It's not, from, it's not from a place of us earning. I think we talked about it last week. It's not even from a place of us earning grace or earning salvation. It's always from a place that because of the grace that God has allowed us, we are able to do our, live righteously and live holy unto God out of our love and our relationship with Him. Amen? Amen. So let that be the basis. Jesus died on the cross, and that's our standing. That's what we take, regardless. But there are actually disciplines that we can take into practice to be able to see the process of sanctification take part in our lives. And these are actually 
processes that we still have to choose. Amen? Cool. Now, in reading that, in reading the scriptures, there are two, two competing sides. On one hand, sin which, sin which leads to death, or on the other, obedience which leads to righteousness. On one hand, we are slaves to sin. On the other, we are slaves to righteousness. On one hand, we are slaves to lawlessness. On the other, the righteousness that leads to sanctification. That's ours. On the one hand, there's life that's brought, the life that brought shame, which leads to death. And on the other, we are slaves of God, which leads us, leads us into sanctification and produces eternal life. So very, very opposite sides of the spectrum, aren't they? There's one that gives life and the other just promises death. But out of this, the only reason I did this was that I wanted to point out one thing. And that's the fact that there isn't actually a middle ground. There isn't actually a place where you can straddle the fence. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we live as Christians and we think that, oh, sometimes we can live passively. Where we think, oh, well, I'm living a Christian life and I've confessed and I don't really have to do anything. And that's, that was a lot of my Christian walk growing up. I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Self-confess and that's it. But when, we, when we're living for God and we actually have relationship with God, He actually drives us. There is all to be a motivator, Holy Spirit motivating from inside of us to live righteously, to live lives that are examples for our families and our friends and our community and those who don't know Him. And in living that, that type of life, there isn't a middle ground. I think I was talking about the example in the morning with the travelators in the, in the, in the, uh, in the airports. You're on one side or you're on the other side, but depending on which side you're on determines your direction, right? Are you standing on one side or are you standing on the other side? And there's no other space, really. Because if you're taking ground and you're walking the line that God's called you to walk, you're always pressing forward in your faith. You're always pressing forward in, in what you believe. And you're always pressing forward in your Christian walk. But the idea is that as soon as you stand still, you actually lose ground. Now that doesn't work with the picture of the travel letter, but if you get what I'm saying. Standing still is the same as losing ground. Being stagnant in our faith is the same as losing ground. It doesn't do you any good. It really doesn't. Not to say that you can earn, remember, well, remember the foundation, you can't earn anything. But staying stagnant, it doesn't, it doesn't move you anywhere and it doesn't progress anyone and it doesn't help anyone around you. We're called to serve our community. As Christians, it's a mandate. It's, 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 on your, it's on your shoulders. By being here today and by professing you're a Christian, it's, actually a, it's, it's, it's something that you're called to do. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just here to show other people that we're Christians. And that's just not satisfying at all for anyone. And it's not, I guarantee it's not going to be satisfying for you. Because I've been there before myself. Amen? Amen. Let's move. Understand that all of this is grace to us as a gift from God. All of it. Yeah? Because in a, in a talk like this, it can be very easy to work and move into works. It can be very easy to move into, oh, well, I'm, I'm only good as long as I do good. 
It's very easy to step into that. And so I want to be careful not to say that. I want to be careful to make sure that you don't walk away from here feeling condemned because I'm not doing enough. Yeah, because we'll all walk away from here condemned if that's the case. Jesus has done enough. Jesus has won the victory. He's paid the price. And you are settled in, your heaven, in heavenly places. Your, your, your spot is already there. Yeah? Your names are, our names are registered in heaven. But in this walk called life, there's disciplines that we can put in place to be able to see our community and our world brought into the kingdom as well. Amen? That being said, and that can be very heavy, so I'd, I'd say take heed of Scripture in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. It reads, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That ought to sort of let off a pressure valve, because the pressure is not, not on you. God actually calls you to himself and he says, let me partner with you. Let me hold your hand through this. Let me hold your hand as we push forward in this walk called life. He says, let me, uh, let me guide you. Take my yoke upon yourself and give me your burdens. Because the, the, the burdens he's talking about is like that, that law and that, that, the idea that we can earn a salvation. He says, let me take that, take my yoke that's already been paid for and let's push forward. Let's move forward. And I, I want to hold you and I want to give you the, the grace and I want to give you the energy and the power to be able to move forward. Okay? And it's only through that partnership with Holy Spirit, it's only through that partnership with God that we're going to be able to overcome the world that we live in and the tendencies and the habits that we maybe still have to endure. Because sometimes I'll be dealing with a struggle right now, today. And I'll pray about it and I'll leave it to God and He'll give me victory for today. And I'll just, I'll be so grateful and I'll go to sleep. And sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and the very same struggle will be staring right at me when I wake up. Anyone ever experienced that? Where it seems like today I had to battle it and then in the morning when I woke up, I have to choose to take Holy Spirit's hand and battle it again. And it's not because it doesn't need to be, he wants it to be dealt with and dealt with once and for all. And if that's been your experience, amazing. I would love to hear about it. I'd love to hear that testimony where it was taken and it was dealt with like that and you never had to deal with that again. I would love to hear about that. But I think my experience and maybe some of yours has been a bit different where you've woken up in the morning and you've had to deal with that same experience again, struggling, and had to take God's hand again. But the beautiful thing about that is the more you take God's hand is the fact that it also becomes another habit for you to practice. Every morning, waking up, Lord, this struggle is here, and I'm dealing with it again. I need you. And he is more than willing to take your hand in that time. Always willing. Always ready. Always wanting to carry you through it. Amen?
Good. I'm going to go on to the last scripture now. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are an imperishable. No, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Unless after preaching to others, I, might, I myself should be disqualified. I do not run aimlessly. Who runs aimlessly? Who runs, period? <laughs> yeah, one. Talked about this last week, yeah? A couple people. Now, if you were going to run, would you run aimlessly? No. If I'm going to run, it better be a good reason I'm running. That's in the physical. <laughs> like, my son better be, like, he, must have, he better have jumped in the pool or something, then I'm going to run. Yeah? So it, the writer is saying, when you run and when you take this walk of faith, and as we endure this walk of faith together and this life together, run with intent. Run with a goal in mind that we would receive our heavenly reward. Run because there's actually something to attain and there's something to be gained. That doesn't leave room for a passive Christianity. me, I'm talking to me there. Don't run a race that, you would never run a race and go between the lanes and just frolic around. You know, that's, 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 not, that's not for race day. You leave that for, I don't know when you would leave that for. That doesn't even sound fun, frolicking around. That's like, they try to make it sound fun in movies. That's not fun. That takes energy. That makes you sweat. But if you're running for a race and you're running for a purpose, Run intently. Run with intention. Put into practice some of the things that are going to spur you on in the race. Amen? So last week I brought up just these four practices, these four disciplines that we talked about last week. Once again, I'll say it, not an exhaustive list. Time in prayer. Time in the Word. Living a life in thanksgiving. Living a life in worship. Four simple things. Yet four simple, four simple things that I myself in my own experience have found to be some of the hardest things to pull myself to do at the best of times. Especially when things are going good. Yeah, life's all fine and dandy and you, you're running your race and you're having a good time. Uh, yeah, I can read the word, but I don't really need it right now. Yeah, I can pray. I can thank God for it. But prayer is more for when you need something. I mean, I can worship, but that's, that's really for when I'm, when I'm thankful for something. But these are actually practices and disciplines that we need to put into practice now. Like now. Like now. <laughs> like, so the, the, the heart of every pastor and Every, every minister is to see a church who loves their word, loves spending time in the word and loves spending time in prayer and loves spending time in worship, who loves to live lives of thanksgiving. Because if, 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 if that was the case, then your pastors would be out of a job and that would be a good thing. 
That would be really, really good to see that you guys were just amazingly loving God, loving the Word, because out of that flows ministry. Then you don't have to be told to jump on a team. Then you don't have to be told or encouraged to go and seek your neighbor. You don't have to be told about any of those things because life giving out of the Word spurs you on into those things as you get to know God through His Word. If you know God through worship, as you get to know God through time spent in prayer. Amen? One of the things that happens when, our, when we're convicted about some of these areas is that we tend to just overcommit. It's like, as soon as you, as soon as you, you get a convicting word about prayer, yeah, like, oh, I need to pray more. And then someone hits you with a really good really good sermon around prayer, and you're like, that's it, I'm going home, and spend seven hours in prayer, today, seven hours, and then you get home, close your eyes, and then you wake up the next day, because you fell asleep during your prayer time, and then you realize, oh man, and then all that condemnation and shame starts to flood, and then you're like, ah, oh, well there's no use, I shouldn't even try, or even reading the word. Spending time in the Bible. It's like, ah, oh, that's it. I've gone home. I'm reading the Bible this week. And we finish this time next Sunday. Front cover to back cover. I'm, gonna, I'm even going to read the index. I'm going to read all the prefaces. I'm going to read all the uh, commentaries. I'm going to read all of it. I'm reading the whole Bible in one week. And then you get to, and God created man, and you're like, oh, I've had enough of this. <laughs> So this is a bit too much. I shared it in the morning in the uh, in the first service. There's a saying that it goes, "How do you how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. One verse at a time. One chapter at a time. One minute. Five minutes. Ten minutes at a time. The word of God is a very big elephant." That's a very big elephant. <laughs> hey, Jamie. <laughs> the Word of God is, it's just deep. It's too deep for us to even fathom. There's too much in it for you to, to gain all of its understanding in one lifetime. You won't, but you can take it off a little piece at a time. Just enough for you for today. And as if, say, if you're not in the practice of reading the Word, if you're not in the practice of, of praying, if you're not in the habit of doing these things, I'd ask you to take like five minutes. I wouldn't ask you to take like half an hour. I mean, I struggle with half an hour sometimes. It's supposed to be part of my job. <laughs> but it's like, take five minutes in it today and then take ten minutes in prayer to be able to understand what you're actually reading. Like, take the smallest pieces. Take the tiniest plots to be able to see your life move forward in Christ. We, we always want this, this idea that I can get home and I can overcome everything straight like that. That's amazing, and it's already been done in Jesus. He already did that. But for you to be able to build up a spiritual discipline, it's going to take some time. This is the truth of it. And I, and I would pray that God would give you a hunger for the Word and give you a hunger to spend time in prayer and give you a hunger to worship Him. Definitely. Oh, heartily, I'd love to see that for you. That would be amazing. The truth is, it's going to take a little bit, added on a little bit, 
add it on a little bit, add it on a little bit, day after day, creating a habit that lasts a lifetime, which ends up building a character. It starts small. It starts very small. If you've gone from never reading the Word or reading the Word once a week, move to maybe twice or three times a week. If you spend like 10 minutes in prayer, I'd ask you to move to 15. As long as you're progressing, as long as you're moving forward and taking stand, taking, taking a step forward for the kingdom every time, as long as we're continuing to grow to see our, our, our people discipled well and to see our community change for God. Amen? Good. So, in praying for you this week, I didn't, I didn't want to come and give you, give you a convincing word. I, just, I didn't want to convince you and persuade you. It's like a car salesman, right? Oh, a car salesman in I mean, like a motorbike salesman. <laughs> All right, but it's because I, I don't want to convince you. I don't want to persuade you. It's really not my heart. Because I know if I can convince you, if I can tickle your emotions and I can tickle your conviction and I can make a very convincing argument around why we should do these things and then you go home and you start to do these things the last week, maybe two. And that's the truth. Because I can convince you with words and that just doesn't last. But I've been asking that the Holy Spirit would put his power on his word. And he would put his power as he speaks to you this morning. Because then I can, then I will know that. All right, cool. If God has His hand in it, then I'll, I've just done what I was able to do and just get to deliver the word. Holy Spirit can take the, take care of the rest of that. Amen. So if that's your heart and your prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's pray together. Yeah, that Holy Spirit would take us to step further for His kingdom than where we are right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are an understanding God who sees where we are and you love us anyway. Lord, thank you that nothing that we do and nothing that we say, Lord, is going to save us any more than you already have. Lord, we just pray that these practices that we're looking at, dear Father, to be able to take a step forward, Lord, for you and for your kingdom, Lord, that they would be on our hearts, or that we wouldn't live passively, but Lord, we would be running intently to be able to see the things of your kingdom come to pass here on earth. So Father, for, for my brothers and sisters here in the room right now who maybe are looking to take a start, or maybe those who are, who are looking to maybe step up in what their, 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 their practices are, and step up in maybe time spent in the Word, or delve deeper in your Word, or spend time with you in worship, or spend time with you in prayer, I spend time just with you and being aware of who you are and acknowledging you for all that you are doing and all that you have done, dear Father. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would empower them. Holy Spirit, that you would give them the desire or the desire to love you and to fall deeper in love with you. Or that you would give them the desire to, to, to know more of your word because in knowing more of your word, we know more about ourselves and who you have made us to be. And in knowing who are we, who we are made to be, Lord, then we are able to talk to people who, who you have called them to be as well. Father, we thank you, and I 
I just bless this time, and I thank you for your children here today, Lord. Lord, we give you all praise, all glory, and all honor, because it rightfully belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Discipline.